Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. We are in Romans chapter number one, and before we get to there, I want to do something that's going to be a little awkward. And you may go, already? Or you may be saying, again? I'm going to start the service a little awkwardly. And and here's why. Because most of the servants in this church serve in a way that is unknown, very quiet, and full of humility. Most of the servants in this church serve each and every week, and you probably don't even know it. The only one you know about is me. Because you have to listen to me talk for 45 minutes every Sunday. They serve in a way that they do not want to be recognized. They serve in a way that they do not want any sort of uh, applause or, or, or recognition or award or accommodation in any way. But we're going to do it anyway. If you serve in any capacity here at First Baptist Church, I'm going to ask you to just stand to your feet. Could you do that for me? If you serve in any capacity here at First Baptist Church, would you stand to your feet? Perhaps you're an usher. Maybe you work uh, uh, in the nursery. Maybe you teach a children's church. Maybe you work in the buses or on the transportation ministry. Perhaps you sing in the choir. Okay? Whatever. Maybe you're a greeter. Whatever it may be. Maybe you teach a Sunday school class. Or you help us down here in the front while we're signing. Maybe you help interpret uh, 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 services into different languages for us. Whatever it may be. If you serve in any capacity at First Baptist Church, would you stand for me? Everybody, we got everybody standing? Can we give these folks a round of applause? Can we do that just for a second this morning? Don't sit down yet. I'm not letting you off the hook that easy, all right? Here's why. So, Pastor, why do this? Here's why. Is this is who Christ uses to accomplish his work. God uses men and women to accomplish his work and fulfill his purposes. How does the work of God get done? The work of God gets done. It is accomplished through men and women who commit and give and serve each and every week. In fact, that's what we're going to read about in Romans chapter number 1. What it is that the Lord intends for you and for me to do. What it, it, what it is that, or how it is that the Lord intends for us to serve. So everyone's still seated. Let's join these who are already standing for our time of reading God's Word. Romans chapter number 1. Let's all stand and let's read verse, verse number 7 down to verse number 13. Verse number 7 down to verse number 13. To all that be in Rome... Beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Look, look here. Look here. This is the goal. This is the goal. That our faith would be spoken of throughout all of Long Beach. That our faith would be spoken of throughout all of Los Angeles County. That, that our faith would be spoken of throughout all of Southern California. That our faith would be spoken of throughout the whole world. That is the goal. For God is my witness, verse 9, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request. If by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established, and that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I have purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use your word in our hearts and lives. And I pray that you would show us and teach us from your word. Father, your desire for each and every one of those, Father, who know you as their Savior, that your desire for us is that we might serve you in a way, Father, that it would bring forth fruit that would remain. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, and by his name we pray, amen. Thank you for staying, maybe seated. Several ideas this morning. You have an outline so you can follow along with us, and we're going to go fast. Several things that Paul is showing us about those who are serving the Lord Jesus Christ and what it is, or what it means, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. God's goal for every person in this room is that we might use the gifts, the opportunities, the talents, the resources, the wisdom, the insight, the wherewithal, that we might use it to serve Him for His name's sake and for the good of those that we are serving. All that God saves... He intends for them to serve. Each and every person that the Lord saves, His plan for them is that they then, because He has saved them, that they might in return serve Him. God's plan for all of us who He has saved, who He's redeemed to Himself through grace, by faith in Christ alone, that we then, because we belong to Christ, because we are saved, might leverage all that we are and all that we have for His name's sake and for the good of those that we live with, work with, see each 
and every day, coworkers, family members, employees, friends, neighbors. This is my goal for us as a church, that we might serve these in our community who need to see Christ in us and through us and hear the message of Christ even from us. So how does this happen? Several ideas. Number one, write it down because you have some notes. I want you to follow. You won't remember it all, so I want you to remember something. So jot down whatever stands out in your mind. Here we go. Number one, serving saints have a famous faith. Serving saints have a famous faith. Notice what Paul says, verse number seven. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So, so here is a man who has never been to Rome. Maybe some of his converts have visited Rome. That Maybe you get that implication in chapter number 16 of this book. But Paul has never been to Rome. And yet, having not been to Rome, having not planted this church at Rome, he is thankful, not, not because this church reflected his own success in ministry, but he is thankful because this church is fruitful and that this church is obedient to the gospel that Paul has already said he so loves and is called to preach. In fact, that's verse number one. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. So, so here you have Paul who has this, this mutual love and, and, and compassion and adoration for this church in Rome who he's never visited, he's never been to, he knows no one in, and yet he's heard of their faith and he has seen the fruitfulness and the obedience to the faith in their own hearts and lives. Serving saints have a famous faith. And notice, notice several things about this faith. Notice the channel of their faith. Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. Paul thanks God for their obedience, for their service through Jesus Christ. Because Christ mediates all the blessings of God to us. Because it is through Christ, it is by Christ, and it is in Christ that we have access to God. That we have access to God for eternal relationship. We have access to God for help and strength. We have access to God through prayers and difficulties in our life. So Paul is saying, I am thankful for your famous faith, the, the faith that these Romans displayed. I'm thankful for your faith through Jesus Christ. So, so hear me, this is not vague faith. This is not just some idea of faith. This is faith particularly in the Lord Jesus Christ. That Paul is thankful that the faith in Jesus Christ is becoming famous throughout all of the world. Look at the verse with me again, verse number seven, or verse number eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, and your faith in Jesus Christ, that your faith, is spoken of throughout the whole world. And Paul is thankful that these believers in Rome have expressed faith in Jesus Christ, but they've also demonstrated faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And faith in Jesus Christ, this 
essential thing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Speaking of God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Even the key text to the entire book of Romans. We'll get to this verse in a few weeks from now. But in verse number 17. Same text, chapter 1. Look at verse number 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. For as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So these serving saints have this famous faith throughout all of the world. And what is the channel of their faith? Where is their faith being placed? Their faith is not being placed in an object. Their place is not being their faith is not being placed in a set of principles. Their faith is not being placed in a set of religious rules or regulations. Their faith is placed in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is evidenced by what they are doing, how they are serving. Their faith is seen through their obedience. But hear me, their faith in Jesus Christ is the foundation. A love for God, love for one another, obedience, compassion, serving. These are all byproducts of a faith that is, being, that is based or founded in the Lord Jesus Christ through their faith, through Jesus Christ. But also, that's the channel. Notice the content of their faith. That your faith is spoken of, notice it, throughout the whole world. So the faith that they have is somehow becoming visible. It's becoming knowable. It's becoming discernible. The faith that they possess is somehow manifested. It's somehow known. Your faith, look, 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 faith is invisible. If, if I said to you this morning, here, here's my faith. Look at it, see it, touch it, feel it. Could you? No, no, faith is something that's in, it's invisible, it's unknown, it's, it's, it's not seen. And yet, Paul is saying that their faith in Jesus Christ has somehow become visible. It's, come, it's somehow become seen in this world. Your faith by itself, just by definition, faith is an act of the heart. Romans chapter 10, verse number 9. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, and thou shalt be saved. So somehow, this invisible faith, this belief in their heart, has somehow gained this broad reputation and has become famous throughout all of the world. How? How can something that is invisible, an act of belief in the heart, how can it be seen and known throughout all the world? And here it is, because the answer is that faith produces something visible. Namely, faith produces obedience. And Paul has already said that in this chapter. We ended there last week. Look at verse number 5. To whom we have received grace and apostleship. And then notice this phrase. For obedience to the faith. Do you see that? We received grace for obedience to the faith. 
We have received grace for obedience. This is where the writer of the book of James would write, and he says, faith without works is dead, being alone. That those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ, those of us who put our trust in Jesus Christ, those of us who have received grace from Jesus Christ, that our faith, our trust, our belief, that it will be somehow seen, it will be somehow known, that men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we are not saved by our good works. We are not saved because of obedience. We are not saved by the visible demonstration of faith. We are saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. And yet once we are saved, once Christ lives in our heart, once his spirit seals us, that that faith will be demonstrated. It will be shown. It will be visible. It will be a work or obedience or what's sometimes used in the Bible as a fruit. It is something that you can see. A tree is understood by its fruit. And a Christian is understood or seen or visible or known by the fruit of their life. And this is the particular reason for why Paul is so thankful. Why? Because this was Paul's life mission. His life purpose was not to just produce invisible acts of the heart called faith, but that his life's mission, according to verse number five, was to bring about the obedience to the faith in the heart and the lives of the men and women that he was ministering to. Paul wanted to see and know, and for us to see and know, that those of us who are saved, who have received salvation by God, should then also be serving that same good and great God. And that when we serve, that that is a demonstration of the maturity that we have. And pastors and preachers and counselors and teachers and worship leaders and choir directors and, and volunteers that they may serve us. But if you really want to mature in your faith, if you really want to grow in your faith, then we must stop being served and we must start looking to serve. And Jesus came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his a ransom for many. Jesus' mission on this earth was not to come and everybody work for him, but that he was coming to work for all of us who could not work on our own. And if we are to follow Christ's example, then that same necessity is placed onto you and me for us not to look to be served, but for us to look for ways in which we can serve. So you see that the channel of their faith through Jesus Christ. You see the content of their faith by faith or that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You see the character of his praise. Notice what he says, I thank my God. So, so he is not thanking the Romans for becoming believers and bearing fruit. He's thanking God. Paul is thankful to God that their faith is being proclaimed throughout all of the world so that all of the world now understands or comes to know the foundation of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He thanks God that these former 
pagans in the most pagan city of them all have somehow stood up and loved, ministered, and served in such a way that all of the city of Rome, that all of the city of Rome is seeing the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is simply thanking God. If we demonstrate any faith at all, it is not us who are thanked, it is simply God who is thanked. If we're truly believers, we cannot boast that we have done any good thing of ourselves. We can only boast that God has done a good thing in us, through us, and with us. Because I know myself, and I know you, and we're, we're not that good. In our flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. I mean, sometimes our serving is simply a reflection of our own selfishness. And sometimes when we serve, we serve grumbling. And sometimes when we serve, we serve with a spirit that's not like Christ and humble. It's like, ah, oh, if I don't do it, pastor will find me in the hallway again. And so Paul says, I thank God. Because God is the one who is accomplishing all of this in us. Listen, listen, any serving, any giving, any obedience to the faith that you and I can do is simply because of the work that God has already done in us. It's a demonstration of all that God has done. If we have the ability to give, it's not because we are wealthy and rich and smart and we're better than everybody else and we're, we're, we're more intelligent. No, no, no. It's simply because God has given you and me gifts, opportunities, and, and, and resources of which he intends for us to use for him. So even the serving we do is because God first served and gave to us. So the proper response to the demonstration of faith is, I thank God for that. You cannot boast if you are a believer. You can only thank if you are a believer. So you see there, the serving saints have a famous faith. You see number two, serving saints have a spiritual mindset. Verse number nine, verse number 10. For God is my witness whom I serve in my spirit with in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. And so, so the verse suggests that, that all of our service should first and foremost be offered up to God as service to him. My service to you is actually service being offered to God. Your service in the nursery is actually service being offered to God. Your singing in the choir is actually service being offered to God. Your giving in the offering is actually service offered to God. Your greeting in the lobby is actually service being offered to God. Your passing the offering plate isn't done for me. It isn't done for the people in the pew. It isn't done for the congregants. It isn't done for church leadership or deacons. That's done for God. Our service is ultimately to God, which is why it is okay when no one recognizes it. Well, you know, I just don't think I'm going to be an usher anymore. Nobody told me thank you for being an usher. Well, were you being an usher for them? 
Or are you being an usher for God? We're, we're his servants. God keeps great notes. And he will reward all those things that are done for him. Well, I'm not singing anymore because they won't let me have the solo part anymore. Well, were you, were you only doing the solo for your praise or were you doing it as service to God? God, this isn't for me. This isn't about me. This isn't for them. This isn't about them. This is for you. And this is the spiritual mindset that Paul displays. He's talking about why we serve. He's speaking to our motives. That's letter A, the pure motives here. There's nothing deeper than this for Paul. And Paul does not need the praise of men. Paul does not need the applause of men. Paul does not need the accolades of men. Paul, Paul says, if, if I'm only preaching the gospel for the praise of men, well, then what good is that? If the only reason, Jesus says, if the only reason you do good is to receive praise from people around you, well, then you have your reward. And it's pretty temporary, isn't it? If the only reason you do something good is for somebody here to say, wow, thank you for doing that, well, then it lasts about that long. It's about 15 seconds of fame, isn't it? But if what you are doing is in service to the Lord, if your motive is, God, you've given to me, you've blessed me, you've equipped me, you've called me, you've ordained me, this is not for them, it's for you. Then even when somebody meets you at the back door and says, Pastor, you can, you can handle it. You can handle it. It's your motive. It's not just a pure... Oh, is my mic dead? Is this cutting out, Miss Jean? Give me this. This is a prayer for model. There you go. Whoa, whoa. And notice this. Notice this. That without ceasing, verse 9... I make mention of you in that I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. There's a prayer from model. That men and women who are overwhelmed because of life's problems, Problems and crisis that are far beyond their ability to serve or solve that these men and women can call out to a living God and that our God hears and answers prayers. There, there are far too many Christians who are only interested in the techniques of prayer. But, but here's God's way. Psalms 50, verse 15. And call upon me in your day of trouble, and I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. That's our theme this year for his glory. Call on me in your day of trouble, and I'll deliver you. And then your proper response to my deliverance should be all the glory to God for how he delivered me. But, but, but look here. Paul's words are, are helpful beyond just that he teaches us to pray. Paul's words are helpful in this, that even Paul had frustrations in his prayer. Did you use what Paul says? Paul says, here's my prayer. My prayer is that I would come to you and that in coming to you, being with you, that my journey would be prosperous. 
So Paul prayed. This was his prayer request. God, let me go to Rome. And I'm making plans to go to Rome. And I'm buying a passport to get to Rome. And I'm getting my travel ticket in order so I can arrive. And I'm packing my suitcase and luggage. But up until this point, God has not allowed Paul to go to Rome. Look, look at verse 13. I would not have you be ignorant, brother, that oftentimes I have purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you. He said, I really wanted to get to you, and my prayer was, God, let me go to Rome. But in trying to get to Rome, God kept delaying my journey. And sometimes, look here, this will help, this will help you. Sometimes in our prayer lives, we get really frustrated because we make a prayer and God doesn't answer our prayer right away. And so we think he must not be listening. Or we think we must have done something wrong. But even the apostle prayer, even the apostle Paul does not receive the answer to his prayer request as quickly as we would like. And isn't this really the issue with our prayers? God, I need you to give me $1,000 by 2 o'clock. Ready, set, go. God, I need you to give me healing in this area and you have till Wednesday. Or, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I might give you to Friday. And man, we want God to answer our prayer request on our own time, don't we? And Paul here, frustrated, has delays in regards to prayer. Look, look here. Second, second wonderful example here. Oftentimes, God answers our prayer request in ways that we didn't even think. So, so here's the question. Did Paul get to Rome? Yes. Did he get there the way he thought he was going to get there? No. No, see, Paul got to Rome. He, he arrived there. Paul prayed, asked God, let me go to Rome. But God's way, his plan, his path for taking Paul to Rome was not a straight path. First, Paul got arrested in Jerusalem. And then Paul was falsely accused by the Gentiles in the temple. And then Paul spent two years in custody in Caesarea. And then Paul appeal, appealed unto Caesar so Caesar would save his life. And then Paul was put onto a ship and shipped off to Rome. And then while the ship was in the middle of the Mediterranean, it was shipwrecked. And Paul spent a night in the day in the deep and then found himself on a deserted island being snake bitten and then finally Paul gets picked up by the next Uber and he arrives in Rome okay maybe it wasn't an Uber but Paul look here Paul did get the answer to his prayer request it just wasn't the way he thought it was going to be It just wasn't the way he thought it was going to be. Number three, a great understanding about prayer. We must always submit our prayers to the will of God. Look what Paul says. Verse number, nine, verse number 10. Making request, if by any means now, at any length, I may have a prosperous journey to, may have a prosperous journey, look here, by the will of God to come to you. 
So, so what, how, how did Paul surrender his prayer? Paul said, God, this is what I would like for to happen. This is the way I could see you answering it. This is what I would like for you to do. I want my journey to be prosperous. It wasn't. It was painful. And it was prolonged, but it was not prosperous. And then he says, by the will of God. So here's what he says. God, I surrender this request to you. So God, you do exactly what you want to do in this situation and this case. So here is the servant of God who is okay with that. And you say, why, why, why can Paul pray that way? Why can he be so confident? Well, here's why. Look at verse number one of chapter number one. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Why can Paul make a prayer request that isn't answered the way he thought? He's delayed in happening for him. He's even frustrated in the way that it worked out, but he can still in the end say, by the will of God. Why? Because Paul sees himself as a servant of Jesus. And what's the servant's job? The servant's job, wait on the master. And if that's what the master wants, then that's what the servant does. Paul is servant of Jesus. So however Jesus wants to answer this, is the way that Paul wants it answered as well. Number three, last one. Serving saints have a sincerity. Serving saints have a sincerity. We're verse 11. For I long to see you. And there's sincere love. Paul here gives the glimpse of the pastor's heart. I long to see you. There is something absolutely irreplaceable. There is something particularly powerful about face-to-face -face human interaction. Right? There, there's a part of our world, there's a part of our context that we don't understand that. Because we live in emails and text messages, right? But emails and text messages, they, they can't ooze emotion, can they? That's why they made emojis. So you say, you having a good day? Well, it's, a, it's kind of a good day. Well, that could be anything, right? Kind of a good day, like positively, or kind of a good day, bad. So you add an emoji at the end of it, like the, the, the one where he's sweating or exhausted. You know, it's a long day. We're ordering out when she gets home tonight, right? Or, or, or she adds the angry face. It's all red. Oh, that's a really bad day. We're not just ordering out. We're like, I'm buying her some flowers, too. See, why? Because there's something lost in just email or, or text. There's something, there's something uniquely powerful about face-to-face -face interaction. There's something uniquely powerful about seeing somebody else and, and, and listening to their tone and, and hearing their inflection and seeing a visible demonstration on their face. Paul says, for I long to see you. Being face-to-face -face with someone changes us. This is why, look here, this is why being a part of a local congregation is important. It's why church on the internet isn't good enough. It's not good enough. Why? Because the pastor through the computer screen can't see you while you're sleeping. But the pastor from the platform can. There's something uniquely powerful. You want a really fun study this afternoon? Read all the times in the Bible when Jesus showed up to those who were hurting, to those who were 
troubled, to those who were in danger. Read every time when Jesus' ministry, when he showed up, when he, the Bible says, and he touched them. There's something uniquely powerful about face-to-face -face interaction, about the power of human touch. And sometimes it's just a hand on the shoulder. How many of you know what I mean? Sometimes that's it. Been there before, we're standing in the hospital frustrated, not knowing what to do, what comes next. And a brother or sister in Christ walked in and just all I needed was a hand on the shoulder. And I didn't have any more answers than when they first got there. But man, there was something powerful about that. How many of you know what I mean? Man, they, there's a sincere love for one another for I long to see you. Notice this. They're strengthened one of another. That I may impart some spiritual gift, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you may be established. This is, look, this is what happens when the church gets together. When the church gets together, man, there's a sincere love, there's that powerful interaction, that face-to-face, -face, hand on the shoulder, man, that was encouraging, that was helpful. Man, I look at you, you look at me, we look at each other, we serve each other, and then imparting some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Sometimes it's just getting through the week. How many of you know what I mean? It's just, that was just enough to get me through this week ahead because, man, I can't look much farther than that. Strengthened by each other. Third, there's this self-denying humility that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. Isn't that interesting? Here, here is an apostle of God, uniquely called, separated by God to do a great work. And here's what Paul says. Paul says, I needed to be with you. You needed me to be with you so we could serve each other mutually. It was just as good for me to see you as it was for you to see me. And I wholeheartedly stand behind that. There are some in the room who, when you walk in, it does my heart really good. There are some, when you walk in, it does my heart really bad. Now I'm just teasing. No, it's that, what is that? That is, that is, that is the, the understanding of the heart of the pastor here. For I long to see you so that you could be established, so that our faith can mutually serve one another because I need to see you just as much as you need to see me. And this is how we serve one another. That's why I go to the back and I stand in the lobby at the end of the service. Why? Because I want to see you. I'm a germaphobe. I look at the hands coming at me and I think, oh my goodness, how many germs are we going to catch right now? I mean, but it's good for my heart to see you. This is what Paul is saying. There's this humility. Last one. Here's the aim, the soul winning aim. Why? Why is it good for us to get together? Why is it good for us to serve one another in this way? Why? So that we might have fruit, Paul says. This, is not, this isn't just getting together. So, oh, yeah, I love you. You love me. We serve each other. We encourage one another. No, no, no. It's we get together, serve one another, love one another in a way that we make a difference in our world around us because we want to see fruit in Long Beach. That's why. 
Man, because we know the power of the gospel. When it goes out, it changes someone's life. And there is a world around us that needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ. We are saved. Thank the Lord for that. And we should not be ashamed of it. We'll talk about that next week. But being saved should put a necessity, a weight on our shoulders that we should look for ways to serve. And hear me, church, the ways are countless. Countless. There are all kinds of ways to serve one another, but ultimately to serve the Lord. So here's my question for you. This is the end. It's the application. Here it is. Ready? In what way will you serve? All of that to get us here. In what way will you serve? Maybe some of you are already serving in areas. And maybe today your commitment needs to be, Lord, I want to keep doing that. Give me the strength, the wisdom, the understanding, the wherewithal to know how to continue it, even be more prosperous through it. There are some in the room, man, we can start somewhere. Take a turn in the nursery, help in the choir, be a greeter, go to the foster all information meeting, see how we can be a part, volunteer to bring groceries so we can help continue to give out groceries to the needy on Monday mornings. Bring some old clothes instead of just throwing them in the trash can and bring them here so we can use them in our clothes closet. Be a part of a Friday night program. Help serve with the children. Help teach the boys and girls on Wednesday night. The ways are countless. How will you serve? How will you serve?